show. What are you eating? Um, a cracker that's not that great, but I'm really hungry. Is that a uh, like a theme, like a metaphor? Because you're hosting with a cracker that's not that great. <laughs> Perfect cold open. Yes. Waiting wongs is easy when you have friends that sounded racist. This song should end. <laughs> That's our, that was our cold open. Did we did we have a new version of the theme or did we or no? Okay, the new version of the theme is just the sound of me talking with my mouth full. Sometimes it's sometimes it's 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 you need to hear the classic theme again so that next next time when you hear a new version um, it's great. And again, episode 6 of Whiting Wongs has the clean lyrics in it if you are a musician that likes to putz around. Um, and if you send us a, a version of the theme song, we'll, we'll we'll very likely use it. So, we uh, we got a couple topics that we thought we could cover. Mhm. Well, one thing some people have asked, um, because very frequently our our discussions about writing and how the industry works gets a little bit inside baseball. Um, a couple of people uh, have asked, like, for us to just kind of basically go through what the process is like for a writer to get hired, like what the, that even looks like, because it's not like any other job where you submit a resume to a show and say, like, I'm the best candidate for this job. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, you definitely go through an agent. We haven't we haven't cracked that code yet. There's no such thing as like a freelance or, you know, I don't know what you'd call a writer that was just not represented by an agent. And I don't know how that writer would get, you know, into the mix. It's it's definitely a game that is dominated at the agency level. They're the gatekeepers. Um, yeah. but And there's a reason for that. There's like there's legal reasons because uh, if people just took like whatever you know whatever submission off the street and like even if they didn't read there's no way of proving that they read it or didn't read it and then next season if you see like if you see like a an episode they did that sounds like the idea you sent them like you know you could try to sue them and it's just this weird kind of thing where there needs to be a vetting process and so i think most places have a policy of not looking at any submissions unless it came from uh, a representative but um but the the practical part of that is also that the representative represents like a a filter, you know. They they're the ones who are like picking people that they think are talented, have something, um, sh- you know, are employable, and they kind of did the first step, this first stage of filtering for you if you're hiring. Yeah, and we can put a pin in maybe, or maybe it's not for this podcast, but as far as the steps leading up to that. Congratulations! You've been signed with an agent. Um, someone's representing you. I, I, the steps leading up to that, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought they're, they're, that that gets into just like oh, uh, shake your tail feathers online or something, or write spec scripts and all that stuff. Like we'll we'll put a pin in that yeah. section. We'll moving forward from okay, you are a writer and you're represented by an agency. And how how this process goes. So when a show either gets an order for another season or gets greenlighted to series, you know, they they need to assemble a writing staff. And it's always like immediate, like the moment they find out, it's like, OK, you need a staff today. And um, and so they you know, all the agencies know what show is going to be staffing and then they all submit their clients and they that's when you start going through the filtration process where the agents then think like, 
which of my writers that I represent would be good for the show and are likely to get hired for this show? And they because they can't submit everybody. Um, and so they kind of have to pick and choose. And uh, and when when they submit you, they you know, they submit you your sample, your writing sample, which is a script that you wrote. And you um, and if the people, the powers that be read your script, usually this means that they probably have a pretty good relationship with your agent and trust that they have good taste or that you have some mutual friend in common with the people who are hiring who vouched for you and said, yes, you should definitely you should definitely read this person because I don't know, like I've never been on this this the hiring side of the process. Yeah, I mean, there's a it it it, it you can cast a really wide net, um, which means you know every agency give me everybody you're excited about. Um, there's a built-in refinement process on the agency side for better or for worse because their goal is to get their clients onto your staff, um, which is why they're going to have an internal like picky process where they're like, well, let's let's not submit all 100 of our clients every time this person staffs or he'll start to disregard all the scripts with our logo on them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and by scripts, I'm referring to your sample, probably, which is if you're, if you're a new writer, you it's a spec sample that you've written. Spec means a script that no one asked you to write. Yeah, um, and uh, in my experience reading those spe- samples, um, it's usually like seventy percent of them are like lovable man child in his twenties who just can't get his shit together, but everybody loves him anyway while he tries to figure things out. Um, yeah, and a lot of people ask, should I write a spec script? Um, sorry, we're all over the place here. We, I guess we're kind of rewinding just a little bit about like, okay, you're a new writer, you're at the agency threshold. What what kind of sample should I write? Should I write a spec script of an existing show um, or should I write a an original? Um, I, I, I am insistent whenever anyone asks me that, that you the most important thing is what you think is going to be your strong corner. Um, when I'm looking for writers, if if it's an original script that they've written, the message that I'm receiving, if they're pulling it off, is this is a person who can break stories um, uh, that aren't handed to them on a silver platter. I shouldn't say break stories. I should say this is a person who can create a world. You know, this person is this person has uh, 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 skill sets in that area. Uh, like if I'm if but if you're if you're somebody that, uh, for instance, is like, you know what? I'm just really funny. I want to I want to write jokes like and I really think that TV is kind of dumb. I just think that like and I imagine a lot of the 30 Rock writers were, you know, of this breed. They're like, you know what? TV's kind of stupid except as a platform for this craftsmanship of joke writing. Um it, it, if you're that kind of person, like we're always looking for that person. It's like when you're forming a little platoon, there's different kinds of soldiers, different experts that you want, demolition and sniper and all these things and like it, one of those categories is just like joke writer. And I think if that's really the only skill you've got and that's the only thing that you value, I think it's a great idea to write a spec script um, based on a that's for an existing show, because then you, you you're just taking that much less um, work on that. You're not is not going to be your strong suit anyway. And you just just show me that you can um, set up a joke and punch it. And 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 at a certain rhythm, and I can understand your jokes. And 
um, all the better that it's a modern family spec for that reason. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of writers who are starting out, um, they mistakenly stress out about having to be a perfect writer and having to uh, and just being good good at every aspect of being a writer and that's nearly impossible like there are very few people who are good at are perfect at every single part of writing this is where dan's gonna jump in and and, and, and say, <laughs> yes. Um, what um, about this uh, unlikable cracker? <laughs> um, but th- but that's the thing is that you have to think about a writing staff as like uh, like some sort of sports team where everybody plays different positions, and you you know you should just hone your craft at like at what you're really really good at and what you really enjoy, mm-hmm. and just and, be the best at that one. And it's I mean you you even though it's a joke like but but bringing up me I think that's an interesting example because the truth is I don't consider myself a good joke writer. I I I, I consider you know I see people on Twitter like like oh this person's gonna be a great joke writer like you know Jess Dweck like you, you know I follow her on Twitter and it's like like you you better believe that this person's gonna like. Like be able to 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 pitch great jokes like when when you're when you're brainstorming with stuff and um I don't I don't I don't I'm I'm insecure about my strength in that area I think what I do is more like I write funny dialogue for characters that I've teed up to play off each other in a funny way and the jokes come a little easier when you're in charge of the characters and stuff and a lot of my humor comes from. Um, confessional, grounded, like weird, uh, weirdly emotional shit, considering the absurd surroundings and stuff like that. That's, but, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it, it, it's one of the things you want to sit and think about, like, what am I good at as far as I know? And, and the answer is not going to fit into all these little categories, but what you're, what you're looking for is, um, an end result of like you're either going to write a modern family spec. Sorry, I'm dating myself with that <laughs> reference. That was the big thing when I was staffing community. Modern I mean, it's family. still on. Um, uh, or you're going to write an original that's like a pilot um, for a show that doesn't exist. There's also weird shit in the middle. There's there's the funky writers that like the the hot specs that float around because it's like a spec for the Brady Bunch, but right, like you know, there was it's that an AIDS one, episode. Yeah, or, there was that one for a million years that everybody talked about that was do you remember the Olsen twins like teen show uh when they were like tweens it was called like two of a kind or something like that um and uh and somebody wrote a spec of that where they one of them got their period and the other one didn't and it was like a big deal i mean i there's there's probably a million showrunners out there that maybe you're also wanting to think about like well what's my fantasy show that i want to get staffed on and then you're 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 kind of doing reverse math there too like whose attention would i like to get like you if you're a huge fan of mine uh and a deeply intelligent thoughtful person you might imagine that i'm i there's a really high chance of me um opening it to page one of your olsen twins period uh, spec and and me going like this person's got one strike um because they're they're, 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 this better be the most hilarious uh, Olsen twins period spec because if the, if that's the only joke that this is ironic, 
I, I, I don't have time for a, 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 a soldier in my army whose only strength is questioning everything right. and deconstructing it. I need them to then also be funny. Yeah. Um, and so, so but, 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 but then again, there's a, you, you might be a fan of some other show where you're like, you know what? You know who's going to love this? Adam Carolla is going to love this. And he, yeah. he uh, like, uh, anyways. So sorry to, for that little digression, but it's like, I know I get that asked that question a lot. And I, tr- I truly want to impart to you. There is no wrong answer there except the one where you're playing outside of your strong corner um i uh, uh, just just you know your sample script is 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 it is it's going to be being skimmed through at light speed by half caring people who are f- funneling you into a machine and it's like it, it you can't let that get you down this is like you just have to consider that permission for you to have one objective which is th- i need to shine in the way that only I shine. And uh, corroborate this, if you will. Um, I feel like, generally speaking, like... um the people who are asking this are going to end up being hired as lower level writers. And generally you're, you know, you, you kind of do the bulk of these kind of scripts when, to try to get jobs when you're a lower, lower level writer. And I think that broadly speaking, when showrunners are hiring people at the lower levels, which is staff writer, story editor, et cetera, um, they're, uh, they're really just looking for joke machines because it's, it's really the upper level writers, people who have the word producer in their title, um, where, that they look to for more of the big picture stuff like story, structure, character arcs, things like that. Yeah, I, that that that's probably very accurate. Like I and no one should look at me as a as a template, but I, you know, I I look at upper level writers as as they're they've gained experience and wisdom and discipline, um, and possibly at the expense of a little passion. And uh, like you know, they don't want to stay up till three a.m. and they don't want to. Um, they don't want to reinvent the wheel. They want they're 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 looking for stability and stuff and can cause stability. That's why they make great sheepdogs, like herders. You know, they they the, the people that will garner respect from the from the younger of uh, hungrier writers. Um, but I don't. You're right. You're, it, you know, joke machine is one one thing that one strength that a a, a brand new baby writer is going to have over like uh an upper but also i you know i i look for geniuses down there because it, it, you know you're you're brand new and you're that naivete that non-jadedness and i and when i say young writer i don't mean um you 25 you know i don't care if you're a 70 year old writer but you're new to the job um uh that that kind of naivete like that can be a really powerful thing. It's like you don't know how TV works. You don't know how the system works. So you, 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 your ideas are fucking insane. Um, they're based on the purest form of satisfaction, which is um, imagining yourself watching a television show and what would blow your mind. And, and, and it's like so that. that So, so I, 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 I often – like when I was staffing community, I looked for – sure, I, 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 I was looking for joke writers, but like I loved – Writers like Matt Roller, who had like a great original um, pilot, and it was like, oh, this guy, like he's he's capable of character uh, creation and 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 understanding premises and and for, for overall and stuff like that, like, and 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 he's a little baby, 
Um, so this is a great win. Is a cheap writer who comes to the table with a lot of light bulbs going off over his head. Anyway, sorry to sorry to like to babble about this stuff. But so you you've got your you've got your sample or samples. You can have as many as you want. <laughs> um, and you've gotten an agent by do by writing that, and that's probably the that that's the sample that's going out. And the agency is you know, based on their excitement about you. And that's where this you know, kind of diversity uh, thing kind of plugs into that. Um, uh, th- that that's, the, that's the important and valuable thing about us talking about the importance of diversity is that really the, the hope is that we can reach a threshold where diversity becomes marketable it becomes the it becomes the thing that makes an agent here cha-ching when they see a script that is from a point of view of somebody and maybe they might have the the crassest kind of quota based or au courant like um reasons for shoving that forward maybe they but but you know and it, the, great. So they 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 had that crass reason to like shove you forward, but a good showrunner then sees your script and goes, "Wow, uh, this is um, this is a a person that has this unique point of view and is and is going to be capable of of weaving highway cones about sensitive areas and things like that, or or just bringing a fresh perspective into things that it's not going to be a stodgy old show or whatever that." Um, and, uh, you know, they're, maybe they're going to help me create better characters if, if you're doing a show that hasn't really been defined yet, et cetera. So, so um, yeah, well, if we're going to in the larger picture of a conversation about diversity, like somebody else did ask, like that we kind of go through and, and list at every level, like what the uh, whenever we reference like gatekeepers and mm-hmm. things like that. And so I think that the filtration of uh, diverse candidates, especially people of color, start earlier than this, earlier than even getting representation, because um, you kind of have to look at background, too. Like if you're looking at uh, non-white people, like you, you start basically at beginning, like even if we're not talking about uh, the setbacks, if you're a child of immigrants, um, if you start out watching TV as a kid and you never see anybody on TV look like you, um, then it's never embedded in your mind that you could be on TV or that you can make TV that way, you know, like because it feels like somebody else's world and that somebody else is in control of and that somebody doesn't look like you. Um, and you don't feel like the, you can be any of these characters because they don't look like you and they don't have the same experiences as you and you, you don't relate to them on a certain level. And, and then if you take into, you know, account being from, especially like some sort of immigrant background or something like that. I mean, when if your parents are immigrants and they come from the old country and they left everything they knew and they came and they struggled and, you know, like my when my mom first immigrated, like she worked as a live-in housekeeper for this like mean old white lady and who yelled at her for bringing eggs into the house. Because um, they might turn into chicken? <laughs> no, because this was during the era when like eggs were the culprit of all cholesterol and she was like, are you trying to kill me? Like by bringing this temptation into the house. Oh. It was very weird. Um but, uh, but you know, they didn't do all that so you can be a fucking artist, you know, so so that you can tr- do this and s- tell them that you want this career that sounds insane to them. Like, 
You know, they they want something that's stable, that makes sense, that they can understand. Like, I want to go to, I'm going to go to medical school, and if I go to a certain num, you know, number of years of medical school and I graduate, then I will be a doctor, and I will officially be a doctor. You know, there's like steps that you can see. You can see the path. If I go to law school and I pass the bar, then I'm a lawyer, and I'm a lawyer from now on. You know, or same with finance or engineer. Like that's these are. Like highly respected professional jobs, and so when you say something like "Oh, I want to be a comedian" or "I want to like be a screenwriter," they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You know, right. and especially so you're saying gatekeeper number one, your parents. Yes, like yeah, totally. <laughs> well, it's cultural, you know. Like there's a lot. It's cultural, and this is not just Asian parents. I think it's all immigrant parents. You're kind of like you're, you're saying to you're saying to potential writers out there, you know, step one, don't don't wait for someone to like jump off of a billboard and say, come with me to Hollywood and, and think about being a writer. It's like, yeah, well, no, this is, this is more, I'm saying this more for the people, the whites who say like, you know, what, what do you mean? Like, we're all, we're all starting out in the same, you know, from Mm -hmm. the same square. And I'm saying, and I'm saying like, not really. There are these other invisible things that you don't think about. Yeah. I mean, well, this isn't this, this was the podcast where we almost got into a a fight, like, because, I while I totally like you know it's an it's 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 a order of degree. I mean I'm a I'm a white from Wisconsin. Um, it it is not like I do. I'm not. It's not an equivalence to immigrant families, but there's a lot of overlap there. Like when you tell people in Milwaukee that you want to be a screenwriter, you don't. You don't get a parade thrown for you. Yeah, but um, when you were a kid and you watched TV, everybody looked like you. And right, so, okay. yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. easy for you to imagine that th- that's a world that you belong in. Yeah, you yeah. know? And we also, and also that, that episode is yeah. called uh, Asian Spears and <laughs> Asian wall Detecting of... <laughs> Spears. <laughs> Um, and the other thing, you know, and it's the same goes for women, too. It's like, you know, when you watch TV, like all the heroes are are guys. And so when you're a little girl, like regardless of color, you're like, oh, well, I'm not the hero. I'm either the person getting saved if I want to be on TV or I'm just like the sexy like girl that like everybody the boy has a crush on, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's another that's another thing. Like if you're not interested in that, like it could just turn you off altogether. All right. So a gatekeeper yeah. number one, society. Gatekeeper yeah, number two, your parents, your yeah. swarthy parents uh, <laughs> with their weird uh, fishing island based value system uh, that, that <laughs> wants you to be a dentist because that's what fishermen <laughs> want their kids to be. Yeah. Uh, and then and then also, you know, if your parents are willing to pay for you because then imagine telling those parents like i know you worked hard your entire life so i can have an an american education and now i would love to go to a liberal arts school or go to like film school yeah like you have to convince them to allow that to happen yeah it's a frivolous occupation it's and that's where class um to the extent that class is a is connected to race then bing 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 it's like all there it's like yeah that 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 handy phrase white people to the extent that it does tend to mean people with a support system um uh it's like easier for a white person to 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 say i'm going to i'm going to be a tv writer it is as i've said many times like in my opinion probably a harder job that to get 
um, than doctor. I, I don't mean because you have to. I just I, <laughs> I, 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 doctors probably have to know more stuff and have more refined brains. But I, I, it's to, as far as time and patience and and lack of guarantee. Um, yeah, it's like saying you're gonna be a TV writer. You may as well be like I'm gonna be a karaoke star. <laughs> right? I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You might as well say I'm, I want to be a rock star. Especially in the ears of the most important people, your family. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how indebted I am to my, you know, immediate family. I mean, I think if you if you rewind from 17 years old forward. I, and 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 outlined everything on that timeline of like when was when was mommy helping me out with groceries and stuff I this is where you know a socioeconomic uh a socioanthropologist whatever expert would could come in and go yeah statistically speaking a white person uh in America has like a much longer uh, diving board. Uh, is that a good metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're connected to to money socioeconomically. Even if you hate your parents, and even if they they bust your ass about when you're gonna pay me back and what's your five year plan and all this stuff. Like uh, socioeconomically, there's a tradition of whatever. Why am I babbling? About this? <laughs> you well, got I mean, me started on this. Yeah. We were talking about we're talking about we're, we're we're talking about for just as a frame of reference for when we talk about a writing career um that that we're just we're just giving people the tools to understand you know yeah how this all works okay yeah. so so basically you know your reps submit you for a job and then the powers that be the Dan Harmons of the world read you and go like this person writes pretty good uh, i think i'm willing to meet them um and so so then you get you get a meeting with them a staffing meeting and at this point that means that you've already passed the writing test essentially like because they're only going to meet with people whose writing they like they're not going to just meet they're going to be with the hundreds of people that submitted they're only going to meet with a handful of people whose scripts they actually liked um and at this point you're really being vetted for correct me if i'm wrong for not being a psycho or being an asshole yeah like to get uh, a feel in a conversation there's it and 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 now here's i mean on the hiring side you know it 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 gets into this thing where it's like there is no there's absolutely no way to figure out scientifically that somebody's going to be good on your team um so you try as someone at a horse track tries to mitigate the chaos with these superstitions basically including uh did you like their script cuz believe me that may as well be a superstition because i have liked a million people's scripts who turned out to be you know of no help to me on 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 the show i was doing and who pro- and then who then probably went on and and did great on someone else's yeah. show and or created their own show and whose show i wouldn't have been of help on it's chemistry it's all this stuff but you know you try to you read their script and you go it's really more about just weeding out hacks or your definition of hack like you you read a script and it makes you want to (laughs) puke on page one because they're like doing a you know they just they just you just you know good then don't meet with that person and yeah maybe that that that's a misunderstanding oh you didn't understand the meta irony of their mime joke on page one they were getting around on page 20 they're gonna the whole thing is like wrapped in a wrapper oh well too bad like like what are you supposed to do except (laughs) read someone's script and then you have these sit downs and i will be fully honest and say um i've i i i'll i'll have like five six seven people uh, you know, reading scripts for me 
I don't want to fucking read. Yeah, I don't think you I, read I liked, my script when I got no, hired. No, I didn't. If I yeah. liked reading, I wouldn't become a writer. I, 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 <laughs> I know. Reading scripts is the fucking worst. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you can really get into it, it's like showering. Like, once you get in there, <laughs> it's fine. You're That's like, why don't I do this all the time? only if it's good, though. I mean, uh, dude, the scripts you have to slog through Well, if you have a pile worst. of them, though, I mean, like, because part of the fun is like, you know what? I'm going to read until I I throw the script on a, a different yeah. pile. And that's once you get in that zone, that can be kind of fun because it's like, oh, I'm God. I get yeah. the judge who gets yeah. into heaven. Um, but it, it, yeah, anyways, I, I will honestly like because I, I have found that it's so random like my definition of, oh, this person's a genius on the page like that. It really doesn't. It says so little. Part yeah. of the reason is because a lot of samples are not brand new writers. Um, there are samples that come from shows that they already that they did work on, and there's a real sketchy gray area. I I feel like it's unethical to turn in a script that anyone else has had a hand in. Like, because oh. here's the thing: I think it's fair to turn in a script of a show you worked on if it's your writer's draft, meaning that's your first draft that no one else you have like no one else has touched or rewritten or pitched jokes on. I think that's fair. But if if it goes to the room at all, if anybody else, uh, if if anybody else polished it, if anybody else like rewrote it, then those, that's no longer your work. Yeah, and I honestly think that, that 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 should be a function of the WGA. This is because I'm an elitist, and like I, it it, it bugs me the idea that there's writers out there that like yeah that 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 take that, that that fudge that like a script goes through so many revisions, and then you know there are writers out there that take like it's not their writer's draft. It's like oh. This was like mostly mine. It's like you got to be a hundred percent yours. It has to be a hundred percent. Like yeah, I, I, and I wish that I wish somehow that was that was actually like 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 that should be like as treacherous as plagiarism in the academic community. Yeah, if you get caught doing it, you should you should get disbarred. Yeah. Well, and you know. The, okay. Well, there's two things I want to say. One to to the, my last thought on this is just that like. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people like it, it's it, what really pisses me off is the unwillingness of people when being called as a reference to tell the truth, because I think a lot of people are afraid of like shit talking and being accused of being a shit talker yeah. and they don't tell the truth. And it's like, tell the fucking truth. You're not helping anyone. You're only helping people who suck keep failing upwards you yeah know? I'll, well i'll confess to not being very good at that like, i mean I, you can be diplomatic i always tell the truth i mean i depending on who's asking like if it's a friend of mine then i tell the 100 i i'll just fucking verbal diarrhea out the whole truth very bluntly but if it's like an executive i don't know like i'm just very i'm very diplomatic about it but i'm very honest so that they can read between the lines you mm-hmm. know like if it's somebody who is a pretty good writer, but they just are a fucking asshole. Like, you know, you can just say, like, look, they're they're fine. They write fine, perfectly fine drafts, but they, like, I wouldn't hire them again. And I think that speaks volumes, you know? Yeah. And so, and I think that, like, y- people have to tell the truth or else, because I see a lot of, like, shitty fucking people rack up credit after credit after credit, and they never stay on the same show more than, like, one season. And like you can you can read into that if you want, but like you know like there's I'm I've been on a tons of shows for only one season, and like, and so that's not always an indicator that you're a psycho, but like, 
But I think it just really sucks when people don't tell are, – are not willing to give a real reference because it just doesn't help anyone. And it just helps these horrible people like keep gaming the system because then they keep racking up better and better credits. So people look at their credits and they're like, well, they wrote for like these five hit shows. They must be great. So I'm going to hire them too. And then by the time you hire them, it's too late. Like they're already, you know, in the hen house and you're it's, fucked. It's tough because it's unlike the army or maybe it's exactly like the army – at the top of these squadrons, you have people who have their own battles to fight, their own campaigns to to um, attempt, and they're also hitting and missing marks in terms of strategy and stuff. And like, it, it's it, it's tough. It's very it's very easy to be like, well, you're in charge of everything, so you should know what you're doing. Well, come on, no, I don't. I'm a baby, and and, <laughs> and, and it's and we're not. It's not a fucking it's making TV, and, and, and which ninety percent of the time means making something that's never been made before. Uh, once your season, your show's been on for eight seasons. I mean, must be nice. Yeah, then I think that the showrunner is like scattered and hasn't figured out what their rules are and their process and all that stuff. Okay, it's been eight seasons. What's wrong with you? But most of the time, the guy or lady <laughs> or non-binary shark. Um, <laughs> at, at the that's a that's a that's a callback. To not I'm not I'm not equating uh, uh, trans people with uh, under uh, underwater monsters. Um, monsters. Well, all right, all right. Let's it? not. Uh, we can't get into this. Go on. Uh, it 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 that person is they're they're awash in questions. You know, there's so many just it's, there's all these variables and stuff. It's it, it, so, so. I have I've staffed. You know, let's say I did I did five seasons total of Community. I've now done three seasons of Rick and Morty. So that's uh, what does that add up to? Eight. Uh, <laughs> that quick white man math. <laughs> I am not. Uh, yeah, we we yeah, believe me. I I, I I for real like you know the the ACTs. That's like the SATs in the Midwest. I think. It's like standardized test to get into college. Oh, yeah. I the only reason I was able to get into a university is because I was I had ninety nine percent scores in science uh, and English. My my math score, I was in the thirtieth percentile. Like I'm, I'm worse at math than, than random people. <laughs> <laughs> Like 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 anybody like 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 if you if you if you threw a cat in a room it would hit someone oh, yeah. better at math than me which is like it's weird to um, me. Uh, so Andrew T who was on our podcast two weeks ago I just found out recently that he got a near perfect score on the SATs he only got one question wrong that's crazy he got a fifteen ninety out of sixteen hundred smart people there, there was an article about him in like the chinese newspaper <laughs> <laughs> by the way a chinese newspaper is uh a, a kazoo <laughs> if you're if you're keeping up with the slang um all right so so but but yeah okay so so that was an amorphous digression yeah. but like i <sighs> it's about vetting people personality wise and, and vibe wise because you're because you have to spend upward, like minimum 40 hours a week, but probably 60 hours a week with this person locked in a room trying to make something creative. And so you want to make sure that you want to, you're okay with spending that amount of time every week with this person. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, what to, to recap there, it's like, oh, yeah, someone reads your script, and then based on the script, maybe you get a sit down, and based on the sit down, um, maybe you, you, then your agents get into deal making. Yeah. Know. Yeah. 
there, and usually um, baby writers, you, your deals made last. So it's, you're, it, it, it's, you know, the shit rolls downhill because the studios, the powers that be, they want to work from the top down practically enough that that makes sense because up at the top you have writers that you want to make sure you don't lose. They're expensive. Their agents are aggressive. They're courting other deals. So you have to negotiate those deals and close them within your writer's budget um, before you get down to the people underneath them. And that means that if you're a new writer, your first experience getting hired is always going to be a story about chaos. It's <laughs> always going to be um, I I didn't know if I got the job and then I had to ask so-and-so and they said something cryptic and it was like my stomach was in knots and then they called or emailed. Someone said, you're in. You have to come here tomorrow yeah. at 6 a.m. And, yeah. and it's it's all – it's thankless and it's, it's – it's, and it's – that's the thing. Shit rolls downhill because it's like, oh, you're – we saved you for last, and 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 I can tell you from as the guy that's been at the top eight times in that process, like it drives me nuts because I'm like, can you can we please just close this brand new baby writer that I'm really the most excited about because I loved their spec script because they remind me of me because they're from outside the system and they're like I I and and, and no no we're still going back and forth with this you know respectable fucking like. <laughs> Dude, that it's gonna allegedly that costs like ten yeah. times what that baby writer cost. Yeah, and I mean, I always... I, yeah. There's been times where I was told like Friday five thirty p.m. that I start on Monday. And the crazy thing is that what was never attempted in network TV was it's like you just you have to, you're like when you build this pyramid with index cards and you're because you, you, you got let's say a million dollar writer budget and so everyone's got their salaries. Up at the top of this person costs fifty uh, k or thirty five k or you're, you're you're playing this game. You build this pyramid out of index cards, um, uh, and 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 like I, I like always want to just go like yeah, but can't we just can't we just throw out all these upper cards and hire like thirty baby writers? <laughs> that that would be insane. And the answer is no because. And 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 listen, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a veteran of an old world. Like it, none of my insights matter anymore because network TV's dead, and who cares? But the answer was no, for the simple reason that then you're Charles Manson. You're running a <laughs> ranch of runaways, uh, none of whom can replace you if you get if, yeah. If, you, if, if you you lose your it's mind. It's just you and thirty kindergartners and no teachers aid. Which like. is like I'm like yeah yeah like 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 <laughs> let me be a cult leader and let me run a kingdom of of crazy people that that like are oh, all man. terrified of me and that's that sounds like the biggest nightmare to me like never in a million years would I want to experience that. A, a nightmare for bad television all right let's take a break <laughs> well obviously you'll edit some of that out <laughs> <laughs> oh boy edit point we're back at it from break <laughs> I was I was just talking some mad industry shit in the doorway while the mics were live. Yeah. And, uh, so if engineer Brandon or sorry, oh shit, I just called him Brandon and it's Brendan. Um, Brendan. Oh, dude. Oh my god, you walked in one second before I said Brandon instead of Brendan. Do you know? Do you even understand as a Chinese person? <laughs> What the difference in that vowel sound is? I've never called him Brandon, okay? It just came out. Brandon means 
it literally translates in white to in white uh, douchebag. And Brendan, oh, really? Brendan <laughs> means chill bro. Why do so many white parents name their child douchebag? Well, it, it, it culture was different. Like at a certain point, there was a like time in, when what, being a douchebag was a, a, a an honor it was because an honor? it goes into a vagina and it cleans it. They're actually really bad for your vagina. I, that's what we found out, and, the, oh, and, the, and, so, and, that's, and that's why the name Brandon is no longer. Yeah, popular. language changes, but you just insulted the. What about shit the people who of... still name their kids Brandon? I th- those are abusive parents. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why they're doing that. I guess yeah, they want they their kid all, to. They should all get their children taken away. It's like the Johnny Cash song, "The Boy Named Sue." Like it's some parents just want their kid to learn how hard it is out there, so they name their kid Brandon. But Brendan's Brendan is that that's the right. Inflection. <laughs> um, all right. So you're a new writer and you got to – we took you through the process. You, yeah. you wrote your uh, samples. The samples got you an agent and then those samples got sent out to people who are staffing a show. Somebody liked your script enough to put you on a list of meetings. You may come into the meeting. Maybe you're not meeting with Dan Harmon. Uh-oh. Maybe Dan Harmon didn't even read your fucking script, Yeah, bro. that's what happened to me, bro. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, because then we get into this weird, crazy th- – this is where you scatter into a thousand things. Now, you may have heard, you know, the legend and lore of like – the South Park hiring process involving those crazy retreats where like everybody goes out and there's like I you know and you, you the season that you got hired on we gave that a shot it was something that I would never have I was like because I was always like what was it like to be one of those writers like oh we're going skiing but also I'm auditioning yeah, for totally. a writing job with the other skiers totally so if Trey Parker says like hey can I borrow your skis it's like is it a test yeah. or. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and and as we you know I think we told the story like you're you 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 got sick the first night of yeah, the totally of the retreat and like had to leave and well no I spent two days in bed with a fever and then finally on the day that everyone's I left a little bit early but it was because I finally felt well enough to drive the hour that it took me to drive home but I basically spent two days just in bed with a fever and I was like well I mean this is a terrible first impression. Yeah, and I didn't give a shit because the yeah. first conversation we had, I was like, "Well, yeah. I like her. I want. I would. I would hire her. She would be one of my candidates because of the first conversation we had." And but I expected that Justin would. I was like, "I bet Justin's not going to be a big Jessica fan." It's like, like she's you know for what I, it's like. I, 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 but then he 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 he, well, he Justin was, met you were on me, his list. Yeah, he. Well, what's funny is I before when you guys were meeting people and picking people to go on the retreat, I met with Justin. And uh, and Ridley and McMahon were there, too. And I met, like, them all three at the same time. And so, but, like, now knowing Justin, like, yeah, like, I'm I'm surprised that, like, I was on his list. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's full of surprises. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, but that's, that, so, yeah, you, whatever show you're working on, you, you, don't, you don't know what the next process is. It's not, it's not going to involve free writing or more. Or it shouldn't. It might involve another meeting. Yeah. Um, because they maybe they're you don't know what's going on over there. A hugely important thing. This is general life advice at all, especially for writers, especially for TV writers staffing. You 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 gotta let go of the things you can't control. Um, you you gotta focus w- with crazy Zen like self reliant energy on 
you know, reminding yourself, no matter how many people call you a genius, no matter how many things they blithely say over lunch um, uh, about their plans for you or what's possible for you or what's likely to happen or this is a guaranteed this or this is going to happen, you just got to always remember those things are wonderful fantasies, but there are things that can't be taken away from you, like uh, that, 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 that can't be undone, like I got an agent. I wrote a script so good that I got an agent. My agent is so good and or my script is so good that I got a meeting with so-and-so and I had a good time with them. Uh, I I made it to the next round of, of candidates or whatever. It's like always focus on the things that you can celebrate. It's like it, that is both the most cynical thing to say, but it's like it... it, it, it you just can't control outcome like like yeah and you also don't know what the needs are because like by the time they met you like it took me a long time to reconcile with this but like by the time they met you they like whatever your specialty is that you bring to the table they might already have that person like uh, on their roster you know and they don't need a second one or something like that yeah and the, and the nice thing about that is you don't have to take it personally the yeah. horrible thing about that is you have absolutely no control over it and you'll never know so yeah but don't 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 punish yourself and don't don't like base your self-worth on results that you can't control. Um, if you love writing so goddamn much, then prove it right and and enjoy writing so much that you're proud of this little document you made that no one can take away from you ever. And you're not always going to get on a show that you love. Like, I think it's rare and really wonderful when you do and it does make you really appreciate it. But like, you're not always going to. Unless you're just a super lucky piece of shit, like you're you're <laughs> you're probably gonna end up writing for shows where you're like, oh, we're just making fucking garbage, but but this garbage is paying all of my bills. And yeah, I think that's a good yeah. I, I think a, a TV writer has to strike that balance between discipline and passion, um, uh, pragmatism and and idealism, and uh, because your boss is gonna require that of you, it's not your show, even if, whether it's a show you love or a show you hate. Your boss's requirement is that you're not so attached to it that your needs supersede theirs. Um, uh, and that's for better or for worse, too. Maybe you're smarter than them, but whatever. It, it, so it's, I I never had that experience. Like I, uh, As you keep reminding I'm us. I'm not humble bragging I, <laughs> I, I, like, because I, I regret it. I, I, you know, I never went through people's staffs and stuff. I just kept writing crap on spec and just like you know speculating and like 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 panhandling basically like and i just got got lucky and eventually ended up running going from basically nothing to running a show or just you know kind of like out there just like panning for gold and then and then found my gold mine would most people take a more hill like approach and and i i immediately could recognize that this was a huge handicap for me being at the head of a a room full of writers that had all had maybe not this, as much experience for me as me in one area, which was like getting really attached to shit and being super passionate about it. But they did have more experience than me in a crucial other area, which is being detached and practical and professional. Um, and so I, 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 I think it's, I think it's a blessing in disguise that your first job is likely to be for a, a cookie monster uh, <laughs> uh, show and yeah. Nickelodeon. And you're, you wish that you were writing porn <laughs> <laughs> um, because it'll, it'll help you. It'll help you practice like going, you know what? Not my show. Yeah. And also, you know what? I think you can learn 
just as much, if not definitely more, um, from watching a bad showrunner work than from a good one, and mm-hmm. and also watching the ins and outs, of, working on the ins and outs of a bad show, you can I think you can learn more than than a good show. Yeah. Because on a good show, when things go so smoothly, you kind of take a lot of things for granted. But on a bad show, you, it's very easy to identify all the weak points and all the things that are that are happening that are wrong and terrible. Yeah. Um, when you was your first, were you the showrunner on Sarah Silverman program? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I was like, I was head writer, and then, uh, but. Like, I, I made the mistake of saying in a Comedy Central meeting when we were preparing to start writing the show, I said, they were like, well, what's your, how are you going to run the room? Which the room was me, Todd Berry, Rob Schraub, and like uh, John Schroeder, Tall John, uh, and Sarah. And it was like, I, they were like, well, how are you going to run the room? And I was like, well, you know, look, I've never done this before. My <laughs> philosophy is. Jump in, start doing it wrong, and figure out how to do it right. Oh, no. And they're like, uh-huh. And then I showed up my first day at work, and they had hired Jill Soloway, uh, <laughs> like, to, like, for twice my salary, uh, who, well, <laughs> like, 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 whose job was to, like, oh my God. Just, just make sure I didn't fuck up or. Just to make sure you didn't do exactly what you told them you yeah, were going to do. Just do it wrong and figure it out. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was. And that was the beginning of of the end, not because it's that you know not not because of anything about Jill, and not even because of Comedy Central's decision to do that, but precisely because oh, like, like I, I I I reacted to that poorly and kept reacting to everything poorly and didn't wasn't doing anything right and eventually got fired. What did you do in TV before that? What did I do in TV before that? Because like, how oh, did you had, how did you jump like you know the experiences of being in a writer's room? I, the, the, my big break was me and Schraub wrote um, uh, Heat Vision and Jack, which mm-hmm. was uh, and yeah, ben, ben I, I Stiller yeah. wanted to. So we were co EPs on that pilot. That was our big. That was our. That was my first TV project, and it, it was a pilot that got shot. That's why right. my career is so fucking weird. Yeah, is because I didn't. I didn't like go. Yeah, because it's so rare to not have like gone through kind of the ranks in in a writer's room before getting like a pilot shot. I was an awkward proposition for NBC and Sony uh, at the age of whatever I was, 36. Um, You know, having I had gotten fired from Sarah Silverman. I had run this VH1 sketch show uh, that was based on Channel 101. But, you know, I was a. I was basically – I had no experience as a showrunner, uh, and yet I was old relative to, like – Right. It was, it was like it – it was an awkward thing for everybody, and they – ultimately, that was part of what was problematic about the first couple seasons of, of Community Politically was that there's – the solution between these sort of disconnected parents, Sony and NBC, was – well, let's just put a bunch of really powerful, experienced people underneath him. Uh, and, you know, the Russo brothers know what they're doing because they did Arrested Development. And uh, and basically they kind of like, like they never said to anybody, it's your show. Or rather, they kind of said to everybody, it's your show. <laughs> and they didn't tell everybody else. By the way, we told everybody else, it's their show. They, they I, I always compared it to like, 
the Joker snapping a pool cue in half and dropping it on the floor and walking out of the room is basically what their process was because they were as curious as anybody else who was going to end up (laughs) uh, running that show. Yeah. So I I ended up having like a lot of like weird fights with – uh, Goldman and Donovan, who are these uh, great guys who had worked under Bill Lawrence for eight seasons of Scrubs, and they're coming in like, you know, I liked them. I I made the decision to hire them, and like we, they they, they were great guys. But it was it was all because of this like weird thing that no one had talked about, which is like, uh oh, I, I finally had like there was like a little blow up on set because I published some pages to be shot, and then I came down to set, and they were not my pages that I had published, and and I ended up having this like conversation with Garrett Donovan where I was like, wait, who told you it was okay to publish pages like or not publish mine? And he's like, uh, NBC. Uh, and I was like, wait, what did, whose show do you think this is? And he was like, he's a good, he's a good guy. He wasn't being disingenuous. He was like, he kind of going off of the information he was, he kind of dug his toe in the dirt and was like, it was like, uh, they said it was, mine and neil's show and 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 like and and that afternoon was like this crazy like wait i I had a big meeting with all the eps there were seven of them total and it was like raise your hand if you've been told this is your show and no one raised their hand but their eyes raised their mental (laughs) hands uh anyways i whatever i'm going i've digressed into (laughs) uh this is my robert shaw fucking monologue about things but it was just like why, why did I get off on that point? It was just, it was just, yeah, that all starts from me not being a staff writer on Crank Yankers, you know? Like, if I had just, instead of instead of just being this speculative writer who was like, you know, oh, I'm going to write a genius thing. I, it, and then, and, but it all starts with this, like, it starts, starts with early luck, which is why I, I'm not really good at giving advice to younger writers, like, how to start, because... I slipped on a banana peel and fell into Ben Stiller's shopping cart, which was rolling at the right speed uh, through a green light that was, uh, you know, off at the right time. It was like it was just such a fluke that at a very young age, I was the co-executive producer on a on a on this very high-profile pilot that ended up being this weird hybrid of cautionary tale and flavor of the day success. It was like, oh, God, you made Heat Vision and Jag. Oh, that was a huge failure, quote unquote, because everyone loves it, but it didn't get picked up. And like, who are you then? I was like, the answer was I was a dude in a one bedroom apartment wiping his ass with T-shirts, like just writing his trying to write his next big hit. (sighs) White. (laughs) <laughs> I know it's really interesting to listen to all of that because I'm the complete opposite. Whereas, like, I've worked on I think nine, maybe even maybe ten, nine shows now, and it's like it's taken me that long and oh, like eleven, twelve years just to get to like supervising producer. You know, why don't you just write a genius spec? <laughs> I don't know why I never thought of that. Call it, call it, shine. Chinese love. <laughs> no, 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 Chinese, Chinese China. So the full title is Chinese China. Chinese. Oh no 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 no, no. no Chinese no. Chinese. No, I'm okay. Chinese China. Chinese is the China. Name of your spec. Uh huh. Bear with me. 
um, it's it faded on uh, China. Okay. Where everything is Chinese. Chinese. And then, uh, and then someone goes like, "This is great. I love China. That's like a let's make it a Paul Rudd." Um, and, and then someone comes up to him and goes like, "Do you like China?" Paul Rudd says, "Yeah, I came here. I paid for it." Um, and this person, this mysterious person, says, "Come with me. I think I got something you're really gonna like." And 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 he's like, "Well, I, I'm here with my wife and kids." He's like, "You won't need them anymore." <laughs> and he takes him by the hand. As this, as a, uh, not a crane shot. Wait, real quick. Is Paul Rudd playing himself, as himself, or he's yes. playing the character? He's not the, okay. Since you asked, yes. Okay. Um, that's how my creative process goes. And, and, and then, so he takes Paul Rudd by the hand and he leads him through a doorway. And then you pan up to a sign above the doorway, which is obviously Chinese mm-hmm. uh, characters. So you can't read it. Um, but then it, it's subtitles and it, or no, it changes like, with CG because we're sophisticated now we can do that the, the the Chinese characters we zoom in on it and they change into their translation which is Chinese China <laughs> and that's the title sequence is like oh China is a crazy place but what if it was crazier than uh, in the first place like Chinese China is even more Chinese than when you leave your wife and kid and you're on your knees Chinese China and there's a gong and then and then it, and then you're that's the cold op- that's the title sequence and then you come in and like like it's Paul Rudd in Chinese China do you take it from there because you can't. This is about yeah, your you, point of view. You can't. You can't give me all the answers. No, and I can't. I mean, this is where your authenticity comes in. Like, I'm. I'm. I'm not invited to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you take it from there. But I'm like, I'm your appetel. You know, like I, I got you yeah, in the room. Yeah. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna set this up at Netflix. Yeah, you're gonna. You're gonna Godfather this in for me. Mm-hmm. Chinese China. Chinese China. Starring Paul Rudd as himself. Maybe. You know, I, or we'll, I, we'll cast for someone to play Paul Rudd. You know, I look, I'm open to, it's a race-neutral part. Like, I would love to talk to Chinese actors. Wait, his race doesn't factor into the fact that he's a Paul Rudd, American, white American actor who lives in Chinese China? Well, I thought, no, he was, a, he was a tourist in my pitch, but I okay. think you can swap that out. I think he could be a regular Chinese person played by your favorite Chinese actor. And, and that's the point, is that in Chinese China, the Chinese <laughs> are American. <laughs> Because it's always the opposite. No, it's not the opposite, or it's like, or, or if you want to look at it, like levels of extremity, you know, like, like, so it's just that Chinese actor going, like, Jesus Christ, this is insane. But, and I don't know, you know, and then people are like, well, of course it is. It's Chinese China. And he's like, but I'm Chinese. And they're like, yeah, but you're not Chinese Chinese. I can't wait for us to go to China together and then write Chinese China together. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing about Chinese China is, you don't you don't have to go to China to because <laughs> like we're talking about really a two minute cold open is like the last you'll see of regular China. Oh, because Chinese China is so wildly different from regular China. Well, it's China compared to China, like <laughs> imagine just you know. This is a this is a fabulous idea born out of your uh, your post drink break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of like people. You know, what, people have called me the Kanye West of TV, but um, and I accept that. But but like, I, I no one ever evokes Phil Spector because that's really what I am. I'm a dangerous. I'm more dangerous <laughs> than Kanye. 
You're a menace to other people, not just to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think Kanye's a little, a little more practical than people think he is. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I'm, I'm the Phil Spector of, of, of TV. Um, okay, so I guess I mean we've. I feel like we've kind of covered like the whole hiring process um, from start to finish. Um, Should we take the time? Even though one of the things on our list is we could talk about Oscar nominees, and obviously we won't do that. But it is like crazy to. I just want to put this like flag and this milestone and say congratulations to Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon, who like I've known for a long time, and Kumail was. A guest on my podcast years and years ago, it wasn't it wasn't like he was a nobody. Everybody knew who Kumail was, but like the important thing to really mark this moment of Kumail being an Oscar nominee um, is that our earliest conversations on Harmontown with Kumail were about the weird nuances of of brown people going out on auditions as actors. Like, and his late motif was always that. You know, he knew when to say no. It was tough. It's like you're a starving actor and 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 you're brown, and people are gonna call you in to audition for oh I don't know parts like Abed and Community, um, maybe because you're brown and the character's brown. He's been declared as brown, but and then for every one of those, which is actually it's a good, very well written character by an incredible genius. Um, <laughs> there's like McDonald's commercials where it's like, you know, or God knows what, I mean, like he's got anecdotes and being, being somebody down there where it's like that, that conflict between your integrity and what you want the world to be and what's really being offered you up and the way the world works. Um, and you know, cross-reference that to, our famous Max Landis. Uh, uh, ex- oh, we you have know. A, you know we've gone several episodes without mentioning this podcast's arch nemesis. You know his 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 big faux pas in 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 this podcast's eyes was explaining how it already works. You yeah, know, as if that was something to defend. Yeah, and you know when you're when you're not when you're when you're down there and you like you do anything to get in. It, any but people tell you how it works, and you you're faced with this horrible choice. I think of like, oh, I can I can reject that. In which case, I'm basically re- like walking away from a door that I didn't even know I could get into anyway. It's really really hard. This is the earliest decisions when you really are young, um, and and inexperienced and all this stuff. Like that's when integrity is really important, and and it was, it's very very apparent when you you know like. Years and years ago, talking to Kamel, like who had been already acting for all this time, all these auditions, all these things, like incredibly gifted stand-up comic, high IQ, with a lot of perspective to share on uh, on, on his background and stuff, and ha- him having to struggle with like, okay, I could get a big payday if I took this gig, but really, this guy is at poo, or you right. know, and all. And stuff. usually, it's not even a big payday; it's a, a passable payday that'll allow me to pay some bills for a few months. Like, it, it's it's like it's this or nothing, you know. And I can't think of a better example of you know. I mean, sure, we're not all multi-talented like this, maybe, but. Like here's an actor who's going like I, you know, I gotta struggle with this stuff. Well, how am I? How am I? How can I take charge of the situation? And he, and his wife, um, you know, they 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 turn within and they tell their own story. And 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 I, it's just like I if if I mention it in the next episode, it's too late. Like yeah. they've been nominated for an Oscar, and it's it's truly amazing because it's a story that begins with people doing the. 
what I imagine is the tougher thing at every step, which yeah. is going like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it. We're going to do it this other way. Yeah. Well, and this is also why it's so insulting and egregious and annoying and infuriating when someone like Max Landis says, well, that's how it is. You clearly just if you're pissed and you don't understand how it works, because it's like for someone who is a white guy who could not be more privileged, like Hollywood scion and rich father is like famous, successful director to say to people, if you're getting pissed, well, you just don't understand how things work. Accept it. Like, I mean, that, this is su- why he's the villain of this on podcast. A, on a super technical level, he's absolutely correct, though. The only I, I in, you, you're, you, you, you've got your. I I love that you're you're off the off the chain and like 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 you know spitting his eye and stuff and I as the white guy in the room I'm like yeah my takeaway is he was absolutely right why be that right in the face of an imperfect system if you have that much expertise about how much it works why would you evangelize it why that is your opportunity to say here's how it works we should change this. Here's how. Here's what we need to do. Let's think about changing this. You know that that what that essay that you described that he published is like I'm I didn't read it, but from the description of it, oh, you, it's it's a hair's breadth yeah. away. All he has to do is switch a like a point of view about three microns, like rotate his point of view. It's from being a defender of the way things already are to being a critic of it. He could be just as much a know-it-all and get all of his cookies for knowing how things work, and and be uh you know be a messenger of hope about it. How generous of you to think that he put pen to paper and wrote an essay. It was a fucking vlog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was like a fucking well, video. whatever. I mean, I'm still on it. I'm st- I'm, I, I still understand that. I don't. I, I, I hate writing almost as much as I hate reading. Do you think that you and I will ever watch Bright? <laughs> I watched it. You watched it? Yeah. People were asking that we watch it together and like uh, and cover it, but I don't want to give it attention. I like it. <gasps> what the fuck, Harmon? I like it. <laughs> End of podcast. But I, I mean, it's not the bright that I would have made. I, <laughs> I, 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 but, but, but I wish, I wish everybody would try to make bright. And like, I, I wish, yeah, I wish Will Smiths would <laughs> like come from around the world to be in everyone's brights. And I wish, I wish there were nine brights every week on Netflix to like peruse. I, Cody didn't like it. She, she bailed. Like I, I, yeah, there's a million things I could, I could nitpick, but I mean, I'm a nerd. I fucking like, it was, it was a bowl of gravy for me. I, I, I it, maybe it had chunks of stuff in it. I didn't like. This is more shocking than when I found out you hated sharks. <laughs> Uh, all right well i didn't like the post who cares about the post well i'm trying to make sure you understand that i'm not just like uh i love everything white men make (laughs) (laughs) oh that's the connection (laughs) all right well you've just witnessed the breakdown of our friendship um I mean, I, I, I also like I have this urge. Like I, I, I feel like as the as the Max Landis in the room, which I am relative to you. Like I, I yeah, I guess it, I don't know if that's a flaw in my character or a or a or, or a different thing, like a good thing that I'm like, oh yeah, but what? That'd be my worst nightmare is like you know, like just being a pinata like just because like I, I i have that experience you know i have a very clickable name and i say a lot of shit and it's very easy to like 
roll your eyes at me and all this stuff. And I, I, I know, well, I don't know if that hurts him, but I, I know it hurts me. And so I'm like, you know what? I, I liked it. You did a good job. Bright. It was like, it was like, you know, I liked it more than the fucking end of the fucking world thing. I mean, he's the, here's the thing. He, to me, is the epitome of punching down, you know? Like he, like what he does. Well, explaining, yeah, explaining to people. Yeah, fucking mansplaining and whitesplaining, like shit, like, like why you're disadvantaged and why you should accept that that's why you're disadvantaged. Like, I mean, there's no more egregious example of someone in a position of enormous power punching downward and just, and smugly too. That's the thing. It was so fucking smug. No empathy. Just like, just a fucking little emperor. So fucking happy to be (laughs) on his little ivory throne, you know? And here you are, someone who I thought was my friend. Yeah. Going to bat for him. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm not going to bat for him. Let's not. That's not. That's not. The, it's not the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> I got, we got to meet somewhere in the middle where it's like smug, smug people. If they get kicked out of Hollywood, like, then, you know, the next step is a, a, a Republican compatible Hollywood. Like, like I, I, I'm always wondering about like, oh, how, how fucking woke are we going to get to the and how, how professional and how douchebag free um, are we going to make the entertainment industry to the point where everyone bows and curtsies before they uh, sit down and write their work? And then all of a sudden, fucking all of these gross, unfunny, shitty Nazis that have been kept at the gate because they're intimidated by us, because they don't understand how we think and feel and talk, because we're megalomaniacs and narcissists and sociopaths and we're all liberal and they perceive it as like this crazy fucking thing where like, oh, liberals run Hollywood. It's like, no, you fucking try to write something, you skinhead. You can't fucking write. You suck. You can't write a poem. You can't write a joke. You can't write a story. You can't laugh. You can't make people laugh. And I'm, I really live in terror of a future version of Hollywood where everyone is so provincial, so puritanical, so professional, so Star Trek bridge that every, every everything is so like perfectly professional and every box has, has six sides and everything is just fucking so geometrically arranged and safe that now you can be a fucking actual shitty fucking fascist and start writing television. I mean, look, women and minorities couldn't can have never been allowed to act like complete and utter psychotic assholes, you know, and they've been able to survive and create work. Well, and that's why I want, I, that's why I'm, I, I easily back the whole movement is because I, if women run Hollywood and the government, Frankly, like, yeah, that's citronella for Nazis. Like, <laughs> not, like I, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of Nazi women out there, but like, I the the kinds that I hope will get, you know, if the if if women would just take over society, the ones that were in charge wouldn't be the Nazi ones, and then the kinds of men that I don't want to show me what I'm made of. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I was on uh, the Yo, Is This Racist podcast, we decided that I was going to try to date a Nazi and infiltrate the white power <laughs> movement because they have this thing for Asian women. Yeah. <sighs> uh, but I'm not the kind of Asian women they're looking for. They want, like, tiny and demure. Mm. All right. Well, I'll work on that and you work on trying to be a better friend to me. Are you going to work on being tinier and more demure? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. a smart goal. <laughs> I think I should work. That should be my goal. 
All right, we'll do it together. I want to be smaller we'll be, and more demure. We'll be accountability buddies. You be you be you be boisterous and and All right. and, and white. Perfect. All right. Well, um, and write more about elves and orcs. All right, fine. You've got it in you. I, I do. I do. Chinese China might be a place where orcs and rappers Ch- are cops. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to see a Chinese orc? I didn't like it that much. <laughs> I, I thought, like, like I, it's well, the but backpedaling, I just, I, man. I, I just have this phobia. I, I have just think about dogpiling on stuff that like makes an easy target because I perceive myself. Whatever. He got fucking four million. He can cry into his bed of four million dollars. Nah, yeah. I just it's karmic for me. It's just like I feel like oh, if I dogpile on something that that then I'm when I'm under a dogpile, like I, I'm, I'm gonna you know like I it's like it's a karma. I don't know. Whatever. Well, you know, as a. Uh, as an Asian who had to play instruments as a child, uh, fitting the stereotype and play, I'm expertly playing the world's smallest violin for you. <laughs> your people's, your people's uh, facility with miniaturization <laughs> and no, the like, violin. Oh yeah, all Chinese uh, kids had to play ma. piano or violin. Yeah, I got it, man. That's no, right. great. No, nobody plays a smaller violin than a Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. Until next time, if there is a next time, if Dan and I can repair our friendship enough to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening. Bye. It's a good show. <laughs>